0: Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John
1: Hancock, Michael Kelly, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Dude, you realize there's only like. Uh Two and a half more months until spring training, and pitchers and catchers have to report. It's
0: only two days till Christmas. That's what you I'm gotta, saying. You got to like, focus on what's immediately in the rear view. I mean, in the in the in the what do you call it? Too? In windshield. the windshield.
1: Yeah, but That's see, it. what I'm saying is, we're going to hit Christmas this weekend. Yeah, and we'll turn into 2024. New year. We'll have the Super Bowl. Yeah. And boom. The players will be down in Jupiter, pitchers and, and the world will be right with itself, and the. We'll, Moderately paid pitchers and catchers of the <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals will be arriving in Jupiter, Florida. Speaking of moderately paid man, the, the Dodgers hired a you know bought another one of these you know mega free agents. Twelve years, three hundred
0: and what was it, twenty five million dollars uh, for a twelve year contract for Yoshinubo Yamamoto.
1: Yeah, and who's he? The pitcher, right? He is Isn't he pitcher, the one Michael. we were looking at?
0: Well, we I mean we weren't looking at him for three hundred million dollars. Twelve years.
1: You. Who signs up? A- Who signs a ball player to 12 years?
0: A pitcher to 12 years because the chances of Yashinubu or whatever his name is, Yamamoto, having arm surgery at least once in the next 12 years is rather high. Yeah. Uh, Now, here's a guy that's never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball. Now, they say, according to the Sabre metrics, you know, you're looking at the spin rate and you're looking at the various pitches that the guy throws and so forth, that his that his sabermetrics metrics make him look to be an elite. Yeah, but twelve Major years, pitcher.
1: who knows what could happen in twelve years. I mean, you know, I mean I get it with uh so Sohai or Shohai. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Shohai is he's he plays both ways. He may wind up going down as the greatest pitcher of all time. So, our player of all time. So now you, you, you go out and hire somebody else for 12 years. Like, you don't know that this is going to be Ichiro.
0: Well, you don't know that Shomi Mobu, Yami Tomoko, you don't know that uh, he's You're having a hard a, time with tw- the names. Aren't well, you? Yamamoto, I got down. Yeah. It's a Yoshi Yubu. Yeah. was uh How do you say that, James? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uh, so, But hes we're all going to know because he's probably your opening day starter for the Dodgers against our St. Louis Cardinals in uh, Los Angeles. This yeah, year.
1: and that will be a good time. You know, you can still run out and get those tickets uh, for Ticket your Cardinals scenes.
0: I'll tell you what. For those of you who like to wait till the last minute before you procrastinate, uh, those Cardinal packs online at cardinals.com is a good Last-minute gift to step up out there and give to someone you love.
1: Have you been to the mall
0: yet this season? The mall. I have not been to the mall.
1: Do you plan on going tomorrow?
0: I uh, reserve the right to... Show up at the mall tomorrow,
1: yes. Yeah, I have a feeling I uh, will be uh, traversing really? the, the mall tomorrow to get some stuff. I haven't bought anything for Christmas yet. I feel like I'm being all on Hancockian. And then yeah. I just don't want to be that guy who shows up with only gift cards, though, because, well, that's who I usually am, that guy. Well,
2: there's who
0: nothing shows up wrong with, with gift a, cards. a nice gift card to... I can think of a, a lot of places that you could buy a gift card for me uh, that would be very well received, Michael.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, well, I was going to get you a, um, a, a Red Roof Inn, a Barnes & Noble. I'm trying to think of every place that's out of business that Barnes I Barnes & Noble's buy in it. business, and that oh. would
0: be a fine gift card. All the
3: news and all that matters to you. The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
1: Dulcet Tones of Christmas coming to you right here on KOX. You know, you know what
0: this piece is?
1: Uh, uh, yeah. uh. I was thinking more of the,
0: the title of the piece.
1: Hold on. And in the dark street shine is the everless. That's some of, of, some, the of, some the of, of the lyrics of, of the piece entitled. I don't know what is it. Oh,
0: little child of Bethlehem.
1: Uh, Oh, little child of Bethlehem. By the way, I knew the words. Were you impressed? (laughs) Yeah, I was. Hey, that's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, It's our regular Friday show here. This is the Hancock and Kelly takeover time of KMOX. We'll be back with you all next week sitting in for the Dave Glover Show. We'll be back with you on Friday night right here, our Friday uh, day here. Don't forget, Sunday mornings, you can see us at 8.30 on Fox 2, and boy, John, whatever will we talk about. The state of Colorado Supreme Court has ruled this week that uh, Donald Trump, in fact, participated in the efforts uh, to overthrow the United States government and the insurrection. They made a ruling that, um, from the majority of the court, liberal-focused, That, in fact, uh, he does not qualify to be on the ballot in Colorado for having participated in that insurrection. Uh, This now will find its way to the Supreme Court, I guess.
0: Without question. Yeah, the Supreme Court's going to take this on. Uh, The 14th Amendment was written uh, after the Civil War was over. The third section of that amendment basically bars anyone who engaged in insurrection against the Constitution or provided aid and comfort to those who uh, did insurrection uh, against the, the government of the United States. And the, the idea behind that amendment in its original form, and this may be where the justices hang their hat uh, in the ruling, uh, had to do, of course, with people who were disloyal to the United States of America during the period of the Civil War. And if you read the plain language... Uh, of that text, I do think there is a chance uh, if go well, let's start with this. Go back and look at the Colorado majority opinion. It is a strict constructionist originalist opinion based on the plain language of that section three of the Fourteenth Amendment. And you know, we have as conservatives for decades now, believed that the best jurisprudence in the country as it relates to the Constitution, is to apply a very straight reading of the language, look at it in its historical context, and make a ruling based on what the intent of the framers of that amendment were. And the Colorado majority attempted to do that. Now, when the case goes to the Supreme Court, if they if they rule that Donald Trump cannot be on the ballot in this country, you're going to have a political upheaval, the likes of which we've not seen uh, for a very long time in the United States. I can't imagine the court ruling that way, but well, there is a possibility but, that a conservative jurist is going to look at this and come to the same conclusion that the Colorado majority on the court
1: did. He, yeah, but let's remember, this is also Donald Trump, and Republicans and uh, Trump supporters seem to forget any principles they have. When it comes to Donald Trump, whether it be their spending, whether it be their, you know, adherence to the Constitution, whether it be, you know, separation of powers, etc. They look the other way. What would make you think that this Supreme Court would do anything different?
0: Well, we don't know. And that's that's the beauty of the Supreme Court. That's the frustration of the Supreme Court. You're never quite sure how they're going to come down on it. And it's going to be interesting, too, to see the three liberal justices. I mean, there, I would think, incentive would be – I don't know, though. If you if you just – if you look at this purely politically, I would think if I was a, a Democrat, Donald Trump is the candidate I would most want to face. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, Claire McCaskill, our own former senator from Missouri who now finds her way as being a, 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 a commentator on MSNBC, said exactly that the other day. She said from a legal standpoint, this has solid argument and she can see it with her legal hat on. But when she looks at it through a political prism, in fact, like so many other things in this convoluted world that we're living in, particularly as it relates to Donald Trump, this actually may wind up being a discriminator in support of him, like his 90 felonies, because his supporters seem to get more entrenched when he finds himself – uh, In opposition to the law.
0: I'll tell you, who else concurs with that opinion is Ron DeSantis. He was interviewed uh, the other day, maybe yesterday. And he basically, they asked him, because his campaign, let's say, shall we say, is not gone well. (laughs) And they asked him, you know, if he had any regrets. And he said, you know, regrets, I've had a few. But then again, oh, no, that was Frank. No, that was
2: Frank.
1: uh,
0: But he, he said that the one thing that he wishes were otherwise. Uh, is that Donald Trump would not have gone through this legal gauntlet of 91 felony counts in four different uh, jurisdictions because DeSantis has the same view that Claire McCaskill does, and that is that all of that, um, which is viewed as persecution by a large swath of Republican voters in this country, has served to strengthen and solidify Donald Trump's support. And Because and, one of the questions of DeSantis has been— Did he make a fundamental miscalculation by coming out and kind of dancing around the Donald Trump stuff and in some cases going so far as to kind of defend him? uh, Or should he have gone in a more frontal fashion and gone at Donald Trump as being unfit for office? And would that have been a better strategy for him? Uh, I think – I think he was damned if he did, damned if he didn't here.
1: Well, let's uh, – you know, you know, I know some people who've been involved in that campaign, some operatives from Missouri, et cetera. That's all changed. But, John, I mean, this this campaign of Ron DeSantis reminds me of the campaign of the previous governor from Florida who ran for president against Donald Trump, and that's Jeb Bush. These are campaigns that well, – And don't that, forget Marco Rubio. And Marco But these seem like campaigns that um, – are trying to have it both ways. They were trying to have the, you know, the nuttiness and the extremism of uh, the Republican right and love of Donald Trump at the same time of saying, hey, I'm different. That dog ain't gonna hunt. This party's all in on Donald Trump.
0: Well, it is interesting that, you know, DeSantis came at this from a decidedly populist standpoint. He's, he has used the government in Florida to kind of, you know, go after his adversaries in private industry, thinking about Disney here. And he's, he's been a much more populistic governor, whereas Nikki Haley has been a much more of a traditional conservative mouthpiece on the campaign. Uh, so he and Haley, who are arguably the, the top two contenders, you know, far, far behind Donald Trump in the national polls, Uh, have taken two kind of different pathways to this thing. I think that probably the guiding political strategy behind DeSantis and Haley is that when they got into this race and they both made the decision they were not going to aggressively attack Donald Trump, I think that the calculus for them was that Trump was going to implode. And he was going to become unelectable and that all of the weight of all of these things was going to remove him from the calculation. And they didn't want to be in a position where they alienated the Trump voter. That turns out to be, it looks like today, as we sit here on the 22nd of December, uh, a miscalculation.
1: Uh, Both you and I think that Donald Trump will handily be the Republican nominee. But for those who have hope that maybe... Uh, common sense and rational thought will get into the Republican Party. Listen to this, John. A New Hampshire primary poll shows that Donald Trump's at 33 percent and uh, Nikki Haley's at 29 percent. Now, this is just one outlier, and it's New Hampshire. But uh, could we start to be seeing the sea change that uh, many of us hoped would have happened five years ago?
0: I don't know. Uh, It's one poll. I'm not going to get overly— I'm not going to read too much into one poll, but if you start to see a number of polls come out in New Hampshire that show this, I mean, the one thing that is clear to me is that Chris Christie's entire gambit in running for the White House was based on uh, surprising people in New Hampshire. I don't think that's going to happen. Christie's never caught on. His unfavorables are among Republicans or, you know, close to two-thirds. So it doesn't look like Christie's going to do much in New in New Hampshire. The DeSantis campaign has really struggled. If if Haley is real, uh, we will see it in New Hampshire, and we will certainly see it in South Carolina. I'm not convinced that she's real yet, but that's where you'll see it. And if she would win one or both of those primaries, then it's game on. And now you've got a now you've got a two way contest, and you know. I think the odds of anybody other than Donald Trump being the nominee are still, you know, one in 20.
1: Yeah, uh, as hopefully, uh, well, by the end of this time next year, this whole campaign will be history. And speaking of history, John. We're watching what's going on in St. Charles in the Francis Howell School District. Uh, I don't know what's up with St. St. Charles. Uh, the fastest growing uh, community in our region, fastest growing county in the state. I think it may be the second largest county in the state now. Not a thousand percent sure. Is, is Jackson County bigger than St. Charles County? I don't know. Yeah. But St. Charles continues to grow, and so does the culture wars. We've all watched what's going on with the library system out in St. Charles. Boy, we've been very concerned about one or two books. have had several meetings to deal with that. Now, John Hancock, the Francis House School District, they had an emergency meeting yesterday. They said, yeah, we're going to take black history out of... uh, School, uh, go ahead. Well, they didn't say State that.
0: They didn't say that. They didn't say they're going to take black history. They said they were going to remove two course offerings. Now, I'm not not dived into this topic, but I do understand that those courses were based on this 1819 project, and the 1819 project uh, essentially says that the United States was formed to to be a racist uh, country. And that, that the deck is stacked against anybody that's not white, basically. Now, that's a theory of history that uh, I don't have a problem teaching that theory of, of history alongside with other theories of history, which, which would include that the United States is a unique place formed in the history of the world that's provided more opportunity and more freedom to more people that has had severe and massive flaws in its application of its uh, high ideals, chief among them being the institution of slavery. And I think a balanced teaching of history... Uh, is important. And I think uh, students ought to be exposed to all kinds of these different concepts. But I don't think forcing one particular concept down their throats does the student any good. And I don't know if it's an appropriate use of taxpayer resources uh, to educate children. So I'm I'm a little torn on this. I would want to know more about what that curriculum was. Um, But should we teach black history in schools? Yes.
1: Is it shocking to you that the program they want to throw out has to deal with minorities? Not me. It's St. Charles of all places. Hey, we got to step aside. Hancock and Kelly rolls on after this. We're going to talk about that police crash after the news right here on KMOX. And for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Well, hello there, John Hancock, and happy Friday to you. Merry Christmas to all the X listeners. We're going to take you all the way to... What, 10 o'clock, then will be join by Amy and, uh, Amy and uh, Chris. Are they both here today? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's,
0: well, not everybody's here. But yeah. Everybody's, and several of our usual hosts are here today.
1: Yeah, and we'll uh, get you into your holiday. Don't worry. We'll be back all next week sitting in for Dave Glover. We'll hold up the fort there uh, in the afternoons. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday we'll be here. Hey, buddy, uh, on Monday night for Late Night Hancock and Kelly, we got here about the time this story was kind of unfolding related to a police cruiser that was driving yes. uh, in South St. Louis, swerved, originally said it was missing a dog or maybe getting too close to some I of the, think the I think the dog
0: theory has been dispatched at right.
1: this point. Then the cruiser busted into the door of a bar, um, and some type of chaos ensued. It was at the end of the, the evening uh, the two owners were there. Another owner came down from downstairs, probably quite startled by the fact that somebody just drove a car on top of it all. A police officer drove a car into their building. Some type of exchange took place where uh, the owner of the bar, one of the owners of the bar, wound up uh, physically pushing on a uh, uh, an officer. And as a result, he loses uh, the front of his business and winds up in jail.
0: Yeah, and uh, got a black eye out of the process too. I understand, and uh, you know what a what a puzzling, uh, unique situation this is. Imagine waking up to finding a police car
1: in the front of your business establishment. Well, you could understand how that would just be enough to send over the edge. I don't know about you, but whenever I get woken up, I'm not the quickly woken up. I'm not the happiest a guy, and then all of a sudden, if I walked into a situation, I'm very where somebody happy grew- when I wake up. And then, you know, who knows what went on, but it really took on a life of its own, John. Um, obviously, something stinks here. Something's rotten. And the way that the police department has handled it, uh, continuing with a narrative that's evolved now to two or three different stories. Uh, the police chief, who's, you know, more of elusive than Waldo, still hasn't spoken. Mm. Um, and we don't see any body camera uh, video being put out. Then... You have the elected officials who are all spun up because this happened to be an LBGTQ bar. And so they're saying this was a targeted thing. You know, these are the same folks who were very upset about them. I
0: believe it was an LGBTQ plus bar. Yeah,
1: and and they're saying that this was a targeted thing by the cops and the cops don't like uh, the gay community. I guess, I, and I've watched now the mayor put out a statement. The mayor rarely puts out a statement. Yeah, you don't see that. The every president day. of the board of aldermen and aldermen all showed up down there. And I guess I get, you know, showing some support. But I think they're trying to make a little bit out of uh, they're they're trying to make a lot out of a little bit.
0: They're insinuating that the police car ran into the bar because it was a gay bar and uh in the essentially claiming this is some sort of hate crime where what it really is i think is just some really poor driving yeah. and and i don't know that anyone in our listening audience can appreciate and understand poor driving Oof. quite as well as i do well uh, um or a passenger uh, i'm not a good driver now i've never driven into a bar uh, or any uh, building other than <clears throat> Maybe garage. the other side of my garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I can I can appreciate that uh, not all of uh, the citizens out there are good drivers. This probably was some kind of a horrible mishap.
1: Well, who knows what it was? Uh, it, it, I don't think it's what it's being tried to be portrayed as. I don't it think, it's I think it's a hate crime. targeted hate crime attack. I think it was bad driving. It's poor uh, management by the uh, the the police department. Public the relations has not been uh, stellar. Yeah, either. if you're the public information operation over at the St. Louis Police Department, you've failed miserably. And if you're an elected official. Who's turned this into some big giant thing. Where have you been as it relates to the deaths that are taking place in our jail? All right now. Where have you been as it related to the crimes that were happening and Kim Gardner looked the other way? Where have you been? we saw half of the energy coming out of the mayor, the president of the Board of Aldermen, and most of the Board of Aldermen as it relates to this issue, man, we could make some real change in this city. Um, Look, there's no doubt about it. We're going to get a heavy examination of this, and I don't think this is something we ought to sweep under the rug. This cop must have been doing something. Maybe he was looking at his phone. Uh, Maybe it was, uh, you know, there was a bumblebee in the car. Who knows what it was? That needs to come out.
0: I'll tell you what, if how, you've ever had a wasp in the car, you can appreciate how and, unsettling
1: that can and be. And then, you know, th- there probably needs to be a little bit better training in the sense that you could understand how someone's uh, temperature may have been up as a result of someone driving into their uh, place business. of business. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you find out on top of it all, it's a police officer. We've all had interactions with police officers when they kind of grab that belt and stuff and, and take that more... Uh, authoritative role it 's not necessarily the most pleasant interactions that you 're going to have, but to turn this into a hate crime and spend nearly a week of of exercised uh, energy on this when you turn your head as it relates to the crimes that are going on in the city as the deaths that are going on in the jail. This is the hypocrisy that frustrates me about what's going on inside the city of St. Louis, John. We have made the police officers, and maybe rightfully so in this instance, a target of maybe some of our ira, you know what word I'm trying to yeah. say, and anger. But but to turn it into this, and and I just wish we had half of this energy focused on what's going on at the jail, These same aldermen. These same people who got elected to be the mayor and the president of the Board of Aldermen, they had a lot to say three years ago when people died in the jail. They organized protests. They helped and cheered on and supported people out in front of the city jail when they busted the windows open. And they were saying, hey, we need to fix this jail. We had 15 people die yes. in this uh, uh, in this jail. and And we're spending all this time... As it relates to this uh, bar situation in South Carolina, South City, I'm with you. Let's figure out what's going on. But be consistent, you hypocritical elected officials who only want to focus on this, you know, identity stuff.
0: This has been a KMOX broadcast editorial. Well, uh, Robert F. Highland would have been proud of that, Michael. Woody? Yes.
1: I don't know. I just, look, I love the city, John Hancock. I want it to survive. It's where my entire life is yeah. invested. Um, I have my house here, my business here, etc. But it's just I am so sick of seeing the faux anger that pops up over uh some very small splinters. Well, yeah. You're, but you're, when the hatchet comes down, the folks are hiding and looking at other places. Hey, don't let's not talk about the jail. We don't want to know what's going on there. Let's talk about the big man police officers.
0: Haven't seen any statements coming out about the jail, have we? No. Uh, So, yeah. And and the thing here is, you know, this uh, not ever-ending quest to turn everything into some huge culturally significant moment when what probably needs to happen here is that we need to do a better job of of training these new— because these were both new officers in the car together, which, by the way— that shouldn't have been the case where you've got two probationary officers riding together in a car. That's that, under police policy. That shouldn't have happened. But uh, perhaps we need to do a better job
1: of teaching yeah. these folks how to well, drive. And, and here's at the end of the day, uh, you and I are both cop supporters. But yes. I also can see when the cops mess oh, up. This is, nobody's clearly, no, yeah. this is clearly an uh, evidence of a cop who's <laughs> made a mistake, should be disciplined, should be held accountable. Yes. We should get to the bottom of it. Here's the other question. That's a kid in a blue shirt, right, meaning he's a rank-and-file officer. Where are the people in the fancy shirts, the white shirts? When you find out that a police officer drove into a bar, wouldn't you be like, hey, we need to send the captains and everybody else down there? uh How does this get to a place where uh, interaction and a fight breaks out amongst the cops? Where are the bosses? How come they didn't get there and said, hey, hold on a second, everybody, take a deep breath. This is a real problem. We're going to get this fixed. Um I don't look for the rank and file officer to be the de-escalator but where are the bosses? Oh, maybe we don't have enough. Well, maybe they're at home. Maybe they're not on the job. I don't know. This just doesn't smell right from all aspects and I look at the top brass of the police department, not necessarily the kids. Who were driving that car?
0: Well, and and lest we forget, it was less than a week before that incident where you had a, a police cruiser run a stop <laughs> sign and run into a civilian car who had run a stop sign in yeah. the city of St. Louis, and uh, you know these are these are problems that are serious They need to be addressed. We need to hold our law enforcement professionals to the highest standard of conduct, and and they at a minimum we ought to expect them to obey traffic laws. Um, so, you know, I think there's, there's more here to the story, but I don't think it's, um, you know, assault on an LGBTQ plus because the the officer involved didn't like the gay community. I, I think well, that's jumping to a false conclusion.
1: I'm grateful that our mayor is going to be issuing statements and is going to be weighing in on things now that she's set the bar here on this issue. Can't wait to hear from her as it relates to deaths that take place at the jail. Hey, buddy, we got to step aside.
0: Yes, yeah, she won't be coming up next, the mayor of St. Louis, but I'll tell you who will. Thane Rosenbaum, CBS News legal analyst. We're going to get into this 14th Amendment case, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. That's the provision that the Colorado Supreme Court... On a narrow decision, disqualified Donald Trump from being on the primary ballot in the state of Colorado. That case very likely to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Thane Rosenbaum will break that down with us next, right here on KMOX. Now back to Hancock and Kelly,
1: sponsored by insterity HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120 KMOX. And welcome back to KMOX. We're going to go now to the Quiver River Electric guest line, where we're joined by Thane Rosenbaum. He's the CBS new legal analyst. Uh, Thane, thanks so much for joining us on KMOX here in St. Louis.
3: Any time for you, John and Michael.
1: Hey, appreciate it. So we've gotten the ruling that came out of Colorado, the referencing the 14th Amendment. Colorado has said that uh, Donald Trump cannot be on the ballot uh very significant ruling, uh probably gonna be taken up by the Supreme Court, correct?
3: Yeah, I would be I think they're already in the process of appealing it and they have to on a number of levels. Remember, you know, they're relying Colorado relied on a law the Fourteenth Amendment is right after the Civil War and it had a very specific purpose to grant equal protection and rights to former slaves. Uh, And also to just generally create a clause of protection, constitutional protection of equal protection. But Section 3 really was designed to make sure that Confederate generals and the president of the Confederacy didn't run for public office. Uh, And that was really its purpose. You know, we just fought a civil war and we we really don't want, you know, uh, Confederate generals becoming the senator of, you know, Alabama or Mississippi. The law hasn't really been used since then, rarely used at all. Even after January 6th, there was an attempt to use it against a few of the people who were at the Capitol and ran for Congress, and and states tried to disqualify them through that, and it didn't work. So this is what made Colorado's Supreme Court decision so remarkable, because even quick courts, even the attempts in Michigan, New Hampshire, Oregon, and Minnesota have failed.
0: Yeah, this is uh, fascinating. And if you read the majority opinion, it was a narrow majority in the Colorado court. Uh, they basically are relying on the plain language of that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, uh, which says, in effect, if you've been part of an insurrection, if you shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, you can't run for office. That's And they're looking at just that plain language and in some regards, you could consider that, could, could you consider that to be an originalist interpretation of that, of that part
3: of the Constitution? God, you, you, you're not even a lawyer. You nailed that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what they're saying now. Some people are saying, well, conservatives, don't you believe in originalist positions? And so therefore, the plain textual language itself. But remember, the key word that you mentioned was insurrection, because, you know, the Colorado Supreme Court essentially made findings of fact. No jury trial. uh, The question of whether that was an insurrection has never been legally determined. uh, And Donald Trump's participation in the insurrection has not been legally determined, not only legally determined. It's not a part of any of the cases that have been brought against them especially the one in Washington, D.C., which everyone used to call the January 6th case, and they don't anymore. You want to know why? Because it's not really about that. <laughs> it's not about, you know, Donald Trump and the things that he said at the ellipse that resulted in in the, you know, preceding uh, the storming of the Capitol. We, we, we forgot that case. So it's as if Colorado just on its own magically said, We are ruling that this was an insurrection and we're ruling that it's your fault Uh, and that the reason it's your fault, again, very much in opposition of Supreme Court precedent, is that every tweet that you wrote, every speech that you made, there's always a little piece of it. If you knit them all together, that constitutes the incitement to a riot. The problem, gentlemen, that's not what the Supreme Court has said about the First Amendment. It's not things that you said a year ago. It's what did you say imminently? What did you just say that forced people, compelled them, encouraged them, entreated them to go off and commit acts of violence? And the opinion cleverly, by the way, the January 6th Select Committee also left out this key language. And as a law professor who's written a book on First Amendment, it's troubling to me. The language where Trump says, Soon we will all walk over peacefully and patriotically and make our voices heard. The minute he said that, he was protected under the First Amendment, and he did not incite a riot. And they, everyone leaves that sentence out, and it's, it's like playing fast and loose with the facts. So
1: what's the next step in the process here? The court's made this ruling. We're kind of in limbo. As of right now, Donald Trump won't show up on the Colorado ballot. We're hearing now Michigan and some other states may take the same approach. What's the next step for the Supreme Court to come in uh, and make some type of a ruling? And what's a timeline?
3: So that's a good question. You know, what you guys probably realize is that you, you, I'm always busy in June with you. Philly, uh, it's all over the country. Why? Because all the Supreme Court decisions come out in June. It's like the Supreme Court has a flair for the dramatic. You know, just before we go on our summer vacation, we unload all of our decisions. Well, clearly, if they did that here, it would be too late because the primary season is coming up. We've got caucuses, Super Tuesdays, right? We're concerned about these other lawsuits brought against Donald Trump. So if they're going to take this up on an emergency basis, they're going to have oral briefing and oral argument really fast. Uh, And they're essentially going to have to be looking at whether the Supreme Court of Colorado overreached its authority to interpret the Constitution in this way.
0: Thane Rosenbaum is our guest, CBS News legal analyst. Uh, You point out correctly that Donald Trump's not been charged with um, insurrection or even inciting insurrection. I also think you're one of the few... Uh, voices I've heard that points to that peacefully go to the Capitol quote as being significant. And it is significant. On the other side of this, you've got a number of defendants from January 6th who've been charged with seditious conspiracy and convicted of it. Uh, What's the relationship between seditious conspiracy and insurrection, if any?
3: Guy, you you guys are good. I hope your listeners know that Um, Yeah, uh, you know, of the thousand people that were arrested and many of whom pleaded guilty uh, to January 6th related crimes, the vast, 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 vast majority pleaded guilty to things like, you know, uh, uh, disturbing the peace, uh, unlawful trespass on federal property, uh, you know, obstruction of justice, Uh, only a handful of people were slapped with the uh, seditious conspiracy argument. The seditious conspiracy is the closest thing to the insurrection because because it basically says you were part of a conspiracy of people. The problem that the prosecutors had is most of the people running crazy in the Capitol didn't know each other. They're just running crazy, right? And a conspiracy requires an agreement to confer in an illegal act. The three of us, have to talk about what we're going to do, and we do it. And that failure, since a lot of these people just running around on crazy people, made it impossible to bring a seditious conspiracy, the idea of undermining the federal government, trying to overthrow the federal government. So, again, they didn't charge specifically insurrection on those people, uh, but this is the closest charge they could get. But what most people don't realize, the vast majority of people that pleaded guilty and sitting in jail had nothing to do with this. They were pled guilty or were convicted of much lower crimes, which is why Trump's lawyers have a legitimate argument when they say, show me where my client was criminally indicted for insurrection. You guys are drawing a conclusion without impaneling a jury Without hearing any evidence, you're saying, I'm sitting in the Rocky Mountains (laughs) and I'm watching CNN and I've decided that what happened, gentlemen, I would feel a lot better if this decision came from Virginia or Maryland, (laughs) but at least they were closer to the scene of the crime.
1: He is Thane Rosenbaum. We're going to have to keep our seatbelts fastened as this is going to get fast and furious. And we'll be checking in with you, Thane. Kind enough to join us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Uh, best of luck to you. Happy holidays. And, John Hancock, we've got to step aside because we got to get a check on the news. And we'll come back right after this on the Mighty Mighty Mox.
3: Hi, this is Bob Costa's proud KMOX alum and from my family to yours. Happy holidays.
2: Happy holidays from KMOX.
1: Kind of nuts that we uh, are on the same airwaves that Bob Costas and Jack Buck and Why is it nuts? I don't know. I kind of associate them with uh, my my childhood, and here you and I sit. Doing we it.
0: associate them with, with professional broadcasters, do we? It is <laughs> yeah, that is odd.
1: <laughs> hey, are you a fantasy football player? Uh, I have been. I'm not currently. I'm not either. But uh, it's this time of year. Uh, so playoffs. many people get entrenched in this fantasy football. Um, it's it, very tricky. Yes. And people who are fantasy football players, like, they check out, meaning especially on a Sunday – My uncle, for instance, he sits here with his phone, and he's not even interested in the game he's watching. He wants to see what all his players are doing, blah, blah, blah. And it's part of the reason that I chose to quit doing it because I was like, I'm not paying attention to the games. I'm rooting for a bunch of guys I've never even heard of. Um, Well, you should have heard of them if they're on your team. I don't know. Do you really know who is yes. you you know who the corner is for the San Francisco You don't team?
0: pick a cornerback for your team. You pick a you pick a couple of wide receivers, a running back, quarterback. Yeah. Depending on the league, you pick a defense.
1: Now, do you do you play a fantasy baseball? I mean, you're I a have. sports aficionado. I have. What are you playing right now? What what would I see you over there like staring at well, your well, phone? I'm doing now. trivia
0: now. I yeah. don't so the fantasy baseball I did it one season. <clears throat> you know, Michael A. I don't like to talk. Okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I had a very good season. But what I found with fantasy baseball was it's every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who's starting today? Are you sure they're starting? And it's it becomes a real time consuming thing. Right. And so, though I did <clears throat> uh, very well. Did in, you win? Uh, well, I might have. Yeah. Finished second. Uh But uh, anyway, yeah. And fantasy football is easier in that regard because you've got to pick your team for the week.
1: I guess. But then there were all these uh, requirements. Like you had to check your email of, oh, somebody was proposing a trade with you. And and there was going to be the waiver uh, deadline coming and all this. And I'm like, this this is too much for me. I don't want all of this Well Oh, it's fun, though. I I
0: mean, I I do see the, the enjoyment in it. And I think fantasy football... As I say, is less of a time drag than fantasy baseball yeah. is. But what gets really tricky, the way this thing works, is you play your season for the first so many games, and then the last few weeks of the regular season mm-hmm. is the playoffs and the, and the quote, Super Bowl right? Uh, in fantasy football. And what really messes with that is you get towards the end of the season, and several of these teams have already clinched a playoff spot or they've clinched home field advantage. There's nothing else for them to play for the last two weeks, and here you are as a fantasy football player, and you don't know if San Francisco is going to start Christian right. McCaffrey in exactly. Week 17 or 18, yeah. and yet he's been putting the points on the board for you all year, and you've got to make that decision coming into the Super Bowl, Wow, whether you're going to start Christian McCaffrey or go with a running back for a team that's still in contention who's got to win that game, and, and that's where a lot of those... Yeah decisions are pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure many of you will be getting together with your grandkids and maybe your kids, Mm-mm. boys and girls, uh, over the next uh, couple of days as the holidays come. But if you're looking for a way to connect, with, particularly with a younger male, yes. just just ask him this question, hey, how's your fantasy team? And then step back and just listen to them ramble. I've, you know, I do it to every one of my buddies. We have a mutual friend, Ed. The first thing I say to him is, how are we doing in fantasy this week? And I'll get to hear about, well, you know, Johnson from uh, uh, Carolina is not going to be playing. So we're putting in the guy from Detroit and then we're going to have this guy come from Arizona. And I'm like, I-, I love it. I find it entertaining. But at the same time, I'm like, I am glad I'm not wasting my time doing this.
0: Well, it's only a waste if you're not enjoying it. If you're enjoying it, then you're that's leisure. Yeah. So my son-in-law is a big fantasy football player. He's quite good. Is he? Yeah. And he studies it. And uh you know, puts his team together, and he's in a couple of different leagues, I think. Uh-huh. So, you know, that gives you something to look forward to on so, Sunday. So
1: um, Christmas trees are up. The decorations yes. are out. Yes. Uh, you're an empty nester now. This is the first year that you've been an empty nester, and now we have, uh, I think it's the first year, right? Second year. Second year. Mm-hmm. And, and we have the grandbaby. Yes. Uh, have trees, uh, have presents reappeared under the tree oh yeah because that's something that usually you have a lot of them when the kids are around and as they go away yeah, whatever but now the grandbaby's back oh no there's a, there's does she, a healthy does she get the concept yet
0: well so we see we have tula three days a week so uh she's over at the house usually for those three days and so she has discovered the wrapped packages under the tree and she'll go pick it up and we tell her that you can't open it until until Christmas. You know, we're gonna open hers on Christmas Eve at our uh-huh. house. So you know, that's the one thing when you when you get in laws. So, you know, now it's not just the family anymore, it's it's Mary Catherine and her husband and his family, and so they've gotta juggle all of that family time and tradition. That you've grown up with and kind of worked that all in, and I, I guess I knew that intellectually, but I, experiencing it is uh, is a different thing altogether. You know, it's not just us anymore; it's it's us and and my son-in-law now, my magnificent
1: granddaughter. Right, Tula, who uh, oh is gosh. the kid. You showed me a video this morning. She was uh, telling everybody what she did today. She and loves her some pawpaws, all I can tell you. It must be the easiest word to say. I mean, she you must be her favorite because all she does is just stare at the camera and go paw, 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 yeah. Paw, yeah. Paw, yeah. paw, paw, yeah. paw, paw, yeah. paw, paw, paw. Well,
0: it's pretty much uh, uh, That's not bad. Papa. All right,
1: help me out. Um, Secret Santa. I have to bring our Secret Santa or rob your neighbor or whatever you want to call it. For the family. For, for the family. Okay. I've got to bring a gift that's $25. $25. So you've
0: got $25 to yeah. spend. Let's figure this out. And
1: so I've got a couple of ideas I want to run them $25. by you. And, you know, with $25, there's not much you can do.
0: Especially these days.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And so uh, I know after Donald Trump gave away all that money, inflation went through the roof and things got out of control. But here's So here's a couple of ideas I'd like your question. All right. All, right. all right. So, number one, I have a, a female that I have to get stuff for. So I could get some of those napkins that... That Have funny sayings on them, like you know, napkins. Uh, they're like cocktail napkins, and they say stuff like, um, um, yes, you know, funny little sayings. So, I could do something, I don't know, put your drink Uh, here, yeah, put your drink here, Mm -hmm. or uh, only pretty girls drink uh, in the winter, you know, something silly. So, there's that, yeah, no, there's I could go buy $25 worth of scratch off tickets. But that could turn into a couple hundred you're, you're dollars. You flushing yet.
0: the money down the down the toilet, and they well, don't sell on, them for or, a, dollar. a dollar. What do those things cost anymore? A dollar. Are they do?
1: Yeah. You, are you, you could go sure? Down, I could get twenty five dollars. scratch. Are you sure? Scra- yes. Well, I you can they were get like five dollars, and you can get twenty dollars scratch offs. But I would get twenty five dollars and uh, you know uh, scratch offs for a dollar a piece. So mm. I could do that. Okay. Um, I could get a gift certificate, a gift card. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, see what I'm saying? $25, Secret Santa. It's not fun. Let's hear it. What do you do?
0: Well, um, you know, for $25, uh, you could probably get a um, couple Chick-fil-A
1: sandwiches. Just wrap them
0: up there. Put yeah. them under the tree. And it'd, you'd have to wrap the sauce separately because you don't want to put the sauce in the wrap you think Gus pack. would
1: get to them, though? Before, oh, Gus would
0: totally get to before before them. Yeah. Gus has started eating off the counter. The dog is eight years old. Uh-huh. He's never done this before in his life. And now, you know, the other – what was it? I, I was home alone for a couple of nights. And Georgianne and her father went up to Michigan to visit family. Okay. So I'm, I'm there on gust duty. And so I make a pizza one night.
1: Yeah. And I,
0: you know, I, is even given my girth, I cannot consume an entire pizza. Yeah, right. I get it. So I eat what I want to eat, and I leave the pizza out on the counter thinking – tomorrow morning I'll have frozen cold come, pizza I'll have cold pizza and there's mm. sometimes a cold piece of pizza in the morning with oh, a cup of coffee nice, is, is nice, nothing yeah. better mm-hmm. and I get up the next morning I come down I turn the coffee maker i made the coffee the night before of course and uh the coffee's percolating there you know oh, here and we I'm, go and I'm thinking about and uh <clears throat> and then I remembered oh the and I look at the counter there's no pizza ah there's no pizza box.
1: Nothing. Did you give uh, Gus a little side eye? What was he doing? Did he... Uh,
0: Gus was sitting sheepish. on his chair in the living room looking out the window waiting for a delivery truck. Uh-huh. And so then I discovered the now empty pizza box on the floor of Ooh. the kitchen. Gus, Ooh. at some point over the course of the evening, had consumed half of a meat lover's pizza. Oh, and, uh, and he's been jumping up on the counter, and he ne- he's never done that before. So, I'm wondering, what, maybe there's some doggy psychology. Well,
1: I'm glad you brought this up because one of the things that I've learned, I've spent quite a bit of time in therapy in my life. Yeah. And one of the things that I've learned in, in, in reading and stuff is often when the younger uh, participant in the family is causing issues like that. Mm hmm. They're lashing out at the authority. Oh, uh, they—you know—that they, Gus they, is rebelling against authority, against you, against me. I think he may be a little bit upset that hey, look, I got left here with you. Gus is when, taking it when out when on Georgian me by eating a pizza, and, and 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 her dad got to go to Detroit together. I love that dog. Hey, buddy, what about a little walk here? So I think I walked what, the dog. I think what Gus was doing was saying, "Hey, um, owner, you're the problem, not me."
0: Well, that's depressing. Well, it's just My truth. dog doesn't like me anymore. Oof, and therefore, he's eight years. eating pizza huh. off the countertop. Huh. Well, that's terrible.
1: I'm sorry to hear that.
0: I may have to go to the Arch just to get away from that critter. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to be joined by Ryan McClure, the executive director of the Gateway Arch Park Foundation. Exciting things lighting up over there at the Gateway Arch. That's next on KMOX.
3: Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go
1: don't you love the uh the bumper music we get coming in we got like christmas. we didn't get the happy christmas we got what? the sexy kind of smooth sultry smooth jazz sultry christmas ju- smooth jazz christmas time hey speaking of kmox christmas time we are now joined in studio by ryan mcclure Of the Gateway Arch Foundation. Hey, Ryan, how are you? It's great to see you, Michael. Welcome
2: back. John, thanks for having
1: me. You all are the ones who are putting on Winterfest in downtown right now at Keener Plaza. Yes. I I was telling John last uh, Monday night when we were on the radio on Saturday, I was in downtown St. Louis last week, you'd have thought that there was a Rams football game. (laughs) Cardinal game, a Blues game all at once with the amount of foot traffic that was going on in St. Louis. Everybody was smiling. It was well
2: lit. There were people and security guards everywhere. Yeah. What a special event you guys were throwing. Yeah, and, and um, it's so great to see that. And that's why we put on Winterfest. Um, you know, and we're so thankful for our presenting sponsors, Bank of America and Worldwide Technology. Could not do that without them. But we've had 41,000 people come through Winterfest uh, since it opened in late November. Uh, Last year, we had 38,000 total. So we've already surpassed the total of last year, and we've got a whole other week to go. Another week left. uh, So what is there to do? I know that many people may know about the ice rink, but there's other things
1: you can do down at Winterfest as well. Yeah, so there's the
2: ice rink, which is amazing. I mean, you get to skate in the shadow of the Gateway Arch in the old courthouse. But there's, uh, there's also s'more stations. There's uh, great food and beverage there. You can rent igloos. Um, I do believe we're sold out for the rest of the year. But, um, it, and then there's all kinds of lights and Renting festivities. An ig- We've oh. got princesses and princes and, and characters. There's all kinds of th- things to do down there. What do you do
0: in an igloo?
2: Uh, you, <laughs> Wouldn't you, you like to know? You keep warm. Funny how something made out of ice keeps you warm. (laughs) I mean, that's what a country this is. Full full disclosure, they're plastic igloos. Oh, they're plastic. But they're heated. Um, You have uh, uh, drink service there. You can do s'more stations in the igloos. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Won't all kinds of great them? stuff going on. They're sold out, though. Yeah. yeah. And where can people find out details about Winterfest? So you can go to archpark.org backslash Winterfest, and you can find out all of the hours, everything that we've got going on there. Um, we do have, you know, we're, we're open the week between, we open tonight and then the week between Christmas and New Year's. Check out all the hours on archpark.org. And uh, we've got a great New Year's Eve celebration as well. So,
1: Ryan, I'm so glad you're here because something significant has happened in downtown St. Louis that I am excited and grateful about. Mm -hmm. We are a community that is known by just a couple of things, right? Uh, A free zoo, (laughs) uh, Cardinal Baseball, and let's not forget the St. Louis Arch. That's right. And, you know, just a decade ago, if you were passing through St. Louis at nighttime, guess what? The world's largest, most beautiful piece of artwork wasn't lit up. Mm -hmm. That changed Mm -hmm. uh, about a decade ago, uh, and it was kind of a janky system. But now, now we have finally, (laughs) in 2023, gotten to a place where it's spectacular. Tell us about the new lights on the the Arch. The
2: new lights at the Arch are amazing. And big thanks to the the Gateway Foundation, separate foundation from Mm -hmm. us, but uh, friends of ours, uh, partnered with the National Park Service to install a brand new lighting system, Um, At the Arch, the Gateway Foundation installed that uh, originally in 2001. Uh, They upgraded it uh, this week and it is amazing. It lights from the bottom to the top um, over 30 seconds and then it's so bright. I saw it driving down Highway 40. Uh, last night for wow. the first time from that distance, yeah. and it's just amazing.
1: So, do you get that? It's like when your gas gauge goes up. Yeah, it's like the prices, right, and then it's going to connect at the stop top. like yeah. the range
0: game, until and so you win the car.
1: And as a person who lived downtown for twenty years and stared at the arch, that the old light system it couldn't light everything because of the way that the arch was was. You know, there were a couple places there were shadows. Now it looks like the thing's plugged in and it's neon. It's
2: it's amazing and it it uses 60% less energy uh than the old lights and love there's that. I think people are really going to enjoy them. It's a great benefit to the park. Well,
0: as as many of you know, times are tough here at uh, Odyssey. And so I'm have been given a black and white picture <laughs> of the lit-up arch because we don't have any color printers here. Uh, so, looking at this black and white picture, uh, it would appear that the arch is glowing uh, in a white color. Yes. Uh, but that's probably not the actual case if I saw it live.
2: Well, it's, it's um, you know, it's a bright white light, uh-huh. um, so it is a single color. Um, uh-huh. it's, a, it's the same, I mean, not being a lighting technologist, it's the same color as before, but it is brighter and more brilliant. They're more and more energy efficient, well, well, yeah, and more energy. How efficient. how far
0: away can you see this thing lit up? Like, like when Michael's lit up, I know it immediately. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can hear it. Uh, but with the arch, how can I see
2: it from as I'm cresting over there? Uh? Well, yeah, like I said, I was I was driving uh, east on Highway 40 last yeah. night, and I could see it from uh, you know definitely the Science Center. Wow! And you, know, so, you, and, and you could notice the difference from there. are we gonna yeah. be
1: able to light it up in color too so like when the Cardinals win the World Series we can do it in red and St Patrick's day in green
2: no the the arch stays the the single color it it, it um it, it really takes legislation to to uh light it a different color
1: well're we're, we're wow. about how long ago did we redo the arch crowns uh
2: so the arch the city Arch River uh, uh project was completed in 2018. And if you haven't been down there since then, you have to. You go. have
0: to go. Yeah, because
2: as, it's it's more connected than it's ever been yes. to the city. The museum is brand new. One of the best museums. That museum, that yeah. that
0: read worth all of it right there. Just the museum yes. experience. Thank yeah, you, and really talk phenomenal.
2: about that. Has yeah.
1: what's the impact, been? Have we seen more people coming down and using the arch now and getting going through
2: the 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 museums, etc.? Absolutely. I mean, we're um, you know we're seeing a big increase in visitorship over last year. Um, I mean, you, you go down there, you see the people, you see the people inside, people using the park more than they have before. Um, but, you know, we, we had a, a hole to dig out of after, after the start of the pandemic. I mean, we we went from 2 million visitors down to 500,000 in wow. 2020. So, but we are back up to where we uh, were before and we'll be beyond that. So visitorship is going really, really well. Wow. And parking, uh, ever since we changed the...
1: They put the lid over the park and stuff. It's made it a much more easier for people to
2: get down there. Parking is still uh, not a problem. And absolutely, we we have an official partner partnership with Interpark at the Stadium East Garage, so you can park there. You get a special rate for Arch visitors. Nice. And importantly, one dollar of every parking um, uh, validation comes back to Gateway Arch Park Foundation, and we funnel that into programming at the park.
0: Very cool. Let me ask you the the movie. Uh, there in the in the in the arch, Monument to the Dream. Yes, yes, yeah. Narrated by uh, well, what's his name? The oh, guy. I, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> are they? Can, are you? Are they still showing that classic?
2: Absolutely. It yeah, is. you can see that in the Tucker Theater, Monument um, to the Dream. So you can go down. You can see the Great Museum. The gateway you can see to the this uh, uh, Academy Award nominated documentary. Yes, um, and and go to the top of the arch, enjoy the park. There's so much to do, not just the arch, but in downtown. San and Louis. Winterfest all next week. All next. What's week. What's the website? so archpark.org backslash winterfest and you can find out all the hours and activities. Archpark.org, it'll Arch all be right there. Dot Come dot down, board. there's
1: going to be tons of people, lots of fun. Hey, John Hancock,
0: you Kick somebody out of the igloo and, <laughs> and uh, you, can, you can have your own igloo Well, apparently you can there. There. burn s'mores
1: out. in there and, and have a good time <laughs> yeah. and private drinks. Yeah. Maybe you and I ought to go well, there. Well, Michael, we've yeah. done it again. We're done.
0: Uh, we <laughs> have finished up here. I want to thank James O'Sullivan doing his usual masterful job. Frank Ladd, the greatest producer in the land. Uh Ryan McClure, happy holidays to you. Chris and Amy are next on Camo X. Merry Christmas.